So what I want to share with you is a technique called motivational interviewing. And it's a technique that I use um, with people. I've been using it with people for ooh, almost 20 years now, believe it or not. And uh, it is something that I find extremely effective. And it really, really helps to reduce the sense of frustration we might feel when we're working with someone, even if it's a friend, you know, or a client or something, um, or a child or partner or whatever, is it really helps to reduce our frustration as the caregiver, um, the one that's offering the help, when they don't take up our, quote, good advice, <laughs> you know, our you know, we, we might be able to give such good advice or such good ways to help people we think, and it probably is good stuff, but we, um, when there is a, a blockage, in other words, when there's resistance, then that's when we have to analyze the resistance. And here's what I mean by that. Let me just shut this door. Um, it used to be in the counseling world that when we would see a client resisting our interventions or friends or whatever, we would uh, blame the client, you know, like in some sort of pathological way. They're not, they're not doing it. They're not ready, whatever. Uh, it's their fault, you know. Uh, and then <clears throat> this whole idea, and this actually was born, believe it or not, from the um, recovery movement. The, uh, these, there was these two amazing psychologists that developed this concept called motivational interviewing. And Rolnick and Miller, I think it was Rolnick and Miller. But anyways, uh, and they they studied previous counseling of and psych psychological stages of change. They studied that, and then they tried to apply a psychotherapeutic method to help people change more quickly. And what they found is if they can actually learn how to be really solid mirrors for the other person and help reduce their ambivalence, then people change more quickly. So let me just, let me lay out, um, I'm, I'm gonna first give you like a five minute uh, outline of the theory, and then I'm gonna give you the technique. And it's, none of it's really hard, okay? Um, so the, the, the stages of change are pre-contemplation, I'm going to say them all, and then I'm going to go back and describe them. Pre-contemplation, contemplation, um, planning, action, maintenance, and relapse. All right. And here's what that means. The pre-contemplation would be the equivalent of the unconscious. Like, I don't, I don't even... There's a change that I've got to make, but I'm not even aware of it. <laughs> Everybody else might see it, but I am completely unaware. I'm in the dark. Mm -hmm. And then contemplation, the next stage, is when something starts to emerge and I realize this is an issue. I'm uncomfortable with the status quo. I do not like where I am at, but I am not ready or I don't know how 
or, um, you know, I, I, and I'm, yeah, I'm not ready. I'm, I don't know how, I don't have the strength to do it. So that might be an example of someone who's drinking saying, yeah, I really want to change. I want to stop drinking, but I'm not ready or I don't know how or anything like that, you know, but anyways, or, or maybe somebody wants to lose weight. It could be anything, but the idea there is we are starting to feel, um, a heat, <laughs> Valence. Valence means heat. We start to feel a valence or heat on, I want to change. But here's the weird thing, man. We're also feeling a valence on the other side, which is, I don't want to change because what I know is comfortable. Even if it's not great, it's still comfortable. <laughs> Better the devil you know than the devil you don't know. You've heard that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So when you put the, the two valences together, um, the Latin word for that is ambi, which means both, and valence, means, which means heat. And if you put that together, we get ambivalence. So what we're saying here is when people are in contemplation stage, that second stage, they're in a state of high ambivalence. They feel heat on one side to change. And on the other side, they feel the heat to stay the same, and they're stuck in the middle. Okay, and motivational interviewing is, is a way to understand how to resolve the ambivalence in favor of change, not in favor of staying the same or stuck, but in the favor of going through that liminal space that you know so well. So um, the technique there is to realize that after uh, con contemplation, then we move to planning and that is when you start to hear people saying like i'm ready for change like i can't do this anymore so then you start to engage with them on well, well what do you imagine what it might look like to change uh what about today when you go home what might the first thing you want to do that would be a step in that direction you know uh, so you start to help them discover planning and, and, and really we affirm that as as the mirror we're affirming their movement towards planning and it also is true that in the planning stage, they have to be able to tell one other person. Like that's just something with the psychological nature of humankind is we cannot change alone. You know, we need to be able to dialogue and have a witness. Uh, so that could be a counselor, it could be a coach, it could be a friend, it could be whomever. And when I'm working with people who are ready for change, I say, find one person outside of me that you can walk with. Now, it might be just me, and maybe they don't have anybody else, but, you know, it's always good to have at least one other person. Then um, the next stage is action. You put that planning in action, uh, and, and you keep that dialogue going. And then lastly, uh, you do the action long enough, it emerges into the, uh, new, the new room, you know, maintenance. Uh, this is a transformed state. And then we realize that relapse can happen at any time, but it doesn't mean you have to go all the way back to the very beginning in pre-contemplation. Um, usually they're going to, if they relapse, they'll emerge pretty quickly into contemplation of, ooh, that felt, that was uncomfortable. I don't want to do that again. Okay, so those are the stages of change. And um, motivational interviewing then is just exactly what the word says. It's entering their view. 
So I know, I know, take the word interviewing, and I know that we spell that in English with an I, interviewing, right? Make it an E and separate the words. We're entering their view through interviewing. Interviewing is dialogue, you know, out of curiosity. But we are entering their world view and finding out there what they're motivated for. Because here's the thing, <laughs> and this is also part of the theory whether someone is doing what they say they want to do or not doing anything at all, it's like they want to be motivated to be motivated, but they're not motivated. They say they're not motivated to do what they want to do. I always correct them and I say, that's not true. Uh, the truth is, is you actually are experiencing motivation. We just have to figure out what that is because you're motivated to do the exact opposite of what you want to do. And that's a kind of motivation. We need to figure out where is that motivation? So the point is, is that when you and I uh, feel a sense of resistance from somebody, that is, they're not doing what we you know, are helping them with or even what they've said they want to work on, uh, they're not doing all the things that we maybe have helped them with. Huh? Well, instead of blaming the, them or, and getting frustrated, we actually, as professionals or as even friends with somebody, we pull back, you know, internally, uh, pull back and say, okay, here's resistance. I'm, I'm, I'm clearly seeing the resistance. I feel it inside my body that um, the fire is under my butt. I feel like the fire is under my butt to get them to change. And that is always a good sign to know that we need to enter in their view and find out what they're actually motivated for. So then resistance comes up in our mind. We're saying, you know what I need to do is I need to do a check-in with this person and find out a little bit more about what's going on in their life and what they're actually motivated for. And then I can change my perspective and find out what they're motivated for and maybe re elicit new goals. Maybe their goals were over too much. It was too much, too overwhelming. Maybe their goal is to actually relax this week. You know, or, you know, re readjust the goals. But the only way that you're going to help them readjust the goals is if you enter, you pull back from resistance. The term is rolling with resistance. You roll with it like judo, you know, it's coming at you and you just roll with it. <laughs> rolling with resistance. And then, um, re-entering their worldview through interviewing questions, curiosity, compassion, all that, and finding out what motivates them. And then once you get that going, you can set up a new set of goals that is aligned with their current level of motivation. And then you will not feel that heat anymore because you've given them heat, the heat back. And, and so the last thing I'm going to share is one very, very effective way to um, help people feel their heat. Because if they're not doing something, uh, <clears throat> you can also help them, and you know, you start to feel the heat under you. Because that's what will often happen is someone will get actually pissed off at you, even if it's their goals and it's their life. They're going to get pissed off at you because it's a defense mechanism they're feeling. <laughs> for uh you know getting on them even though if you're not even trying to get on them they're gonna 
Yeah, that's what we do. We, it's a defense mechanism. We, 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 uh, the things we don't like about ourselves, we will we'll project it on somebody else and then attack them, even our helpers. All right. So when you start to feel that body sensation inside you of being tense, um, you're feeling the heat of them. You're feeling the heat that they are giving back to you. The very heat of their ambivalence, they can't tolerate it, so they're giving it to you. Take it, you know. That's what they're saying. You deal with it. Uh, and I'm going to blame you for it. So what you do is you actually gently offer back their heat. So you don't feel it, A, and B, it's theirs. And one way to do that is with curiosity and compassion, you simply make an observation based on what you're seeing. Here's a mirror. So you'll say, uh, I'm just going to make this up, but let's just say the person is John. You might say, hey, John, you know, um, on this hand, so I, I would literally hold up my hands. Like on this hand, uh, your goal was to walk four times this week because um, you had said that you really wanted to get back in shape and the weather's nice. So on this hand, you said you wanted to walk four times this week. Uh, and on this hand, and so I would hold up the other hand, and I would make them equal so they can see it, you know? So on this hand, on my right hand, the what you're saying to me is that you didn't walk this week and you felt tired, and so you chose to not walk, which, you know, I can understand that. But I'm, I'm just curious, like, here's your goal, and here's what happened and I'm going to put these together and just ask you to make what do you how do you make sense of this you see so what I'm doing is I actually with my hands I physically put them together like this you know almost interlacing my fingers and then I'm offering I do a gesture of offering back to them the the particular incongruity between their goals and their behaviors why? Because they need to see that there is incongruity so that they can um, make sense of it and feel the heat. And they may say, well, I just, I don't know, maybe four times was, I, I, you know, maybe they'll be like, I, <sighs> I, I just felt too tired, you know, and it's like, okay, no problem. Maybe we need to readjust your goal, you know, and that's fine. But the point is, is every single time you feel like they're just bouncing back everything you're giving, that is an opportunity for you not to get into sort of like an energetic Jedi, you know, <laughs> war, but rather um, take that role with resistance, use as an opportunity to mirror back what you're seeing using helping them to see objectively the incongruity between their set, the, what their goals are, and then their actual behavior. Um, so one more thing, like I've had it where I use this with teens a lot. You might have a teen who says they really want to have a better relationship with their mom. I'm just making this up, but say mom. Okay. Um, but I find out that, uh, they haven't done, you know, any of the chores that their mom asked them. And so I might say in a very compassionate way, look, uh, you said that you really want a better relationship with your mom. And these were the actual things that you were, you had said that you wanted to do. And I always thought that was a great idea. Uh, but on this hand, you're telling me that you chose to not do them. And moreover, you actually got mad at your mom a few times and yelled at her. 
I'm not saying she didn't deserve it, but I'm saying that's what happened. So how do you make sense of your goals of having a better relationship and then the fact that um, you didn't do what you, you were saying you were doing? Do you understand how to make sense of that? Because I'm kind of lost. I don't get it. So when you offer it back, they they are sometimes it's silence because they haven't seen that incongruity for themselves. Uh, and sometimes it's defensiveness to which you can say, oh, all right, so you had mentioned you want you're in therapy right now to help or you know in counseling or coaching or whatever it is or you were saying that you wanted help with with a lot of things in your life on this hand and right now i i, I guess i'm feeling like you're being defensive maybe i'm wrong what do you think about i'm trying to put these two together what do you think about that so you can always use whatever is given to you in that moment to bring up the incongruities offer that back and pretty soon they start appropriating, uh, introjecting all of this process inside them and they become their own therapist who, who will learn how to resolve that ambivalence inside them. So what do you think about this? 